The following audio is from Foundation Life Bible Church. More information about Foundation Life is available at www.foundationlbc.com. Good morning. Excited to seek the Lord together. Um, one of the privileges that we have in the church and something that we just started and getting the ball rolling is times to share who Christ is in our lives, um, time to give testimony. And if you'll remember last week, I invited you to consider in your time with the Lord this week to think about what lessons the Lord has taught you through storms. What have you learned through the trials of life, through the things that are hard, What have you taken in about who God is? What truths have fallen into your heart as a result? So whether you're here with us in this room or you're joining us online from your living rooms or wherever you are, we just want to welcome you and we want to invite you to think about sharing, to have courage today and share how the Lord has been so gracious and merciful and kind to you in trials. So here's the plan. I don't plan to go long today. I just want to get us started. And so if you'll open up to James chapter 1, I just want to look at a few verses. Verses 2 to verse 4. And then we want to see what the Lord has for us to the edification of this church. So we're just going to take a brief journey through this part. But if you would, please just bow your eyes, bow bow your head and close your eyes one more time. And let's just acknowledge the Lord. Father, we come to you today as fallen people. Lord, once more, many families, not only locally, but families across the United States, families across the world, Lord, as they have lost sons, as they've lost daughters, Lord. Many people are carrying burdens today that we don't understand, Lord. They're struggling through things that only hit God in a way when it becomes real to us. But Lord, we know you're a God that carries our burdens. We know you're a God that works in the storms. We know you're a God that works through trials. And there are many families right now across this nation that are mourning their children, mourning their family members, God. And God, we know that this is going to be a continual thing here because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that darkness controls. We live in a world, Lord, where sin is present all around us, our own sin and the sin of others. But we thank you, Jesus, for what you provided at the cross. We thank you, Lord, for redemption. We thank you for removing the chains of the power of sin in our lives. 
and that we do have the opportunity as your people to draw to you. We pray that your spirit would work in these families. We pray that your spirit would bring peace. We pray that your family, that, that your church family, Lord, that your people, God, would bring words of comfort, that they would mourn with those who mourn, God. We thank you for your word. Thank you for what your trials teach us. We thank you that you're so patient with us. And we acknowledge that we need you. We need your spirit. We rely on your spirit. We depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I jump into the text here, I just want to say, many of you know Tim and Lori Carlson and Ross, um, and they reached out to me a couple weeks ago and shared with me that they felt like God was moving them to a different church family. Felt like they could get their needs met um, with a different church. And, and we want to say up front that we are excited about what, every, what God is doing in every body of Christ around us, every local body. We know the Lord is working. We know His Spirit's at work. And it was a blessing to share church with Tim and Lori and Ross. It was a blessing um, to be able to get to know them. Um, but we're excited for them. We praise God for what He's doing in their lives. And we always have to go with what the Spirit leads us to do. And we trust that. We thank God for that. Um, so, um, but, I, but I'm grateful that Tim reached out. I'm grateful that he shared with me um, where they were at. And um, that's what we need to do. We need to have those conversations when they come. So that's good. Um, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And again, I just want to get the, get the ball rolling here. And then we want to talk about where we've seen the grace and mercy of God through storms. Now, some of us weren't able, aren't able to join us today because you, for the most part, are staying in. So you shared testimony of that. Thank you for sending that. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, some of us are camping this weekend and enjoying time together. And um, those families also um, sent testimony, and we appreciate that. Um, but as God moves you, I just want to encourage you this morning to send a text, to share through our YouTube platform. What has He taught you through the storms? Because this isn't just for us. This is just for you personally. God says that together, we're to come together in His name and spur one another on in the faith. Encourage one another. Speak about the hope that Jesus has given us and what we are going through. So let's look at verses 2 through 4 together. And I just want to um, go ahead and read that to you. And I'm reading from the ESV, of course. But it says this, James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your face produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So what comes to mind here? James says, carried along by the Spirit, that we're to count trials all Joy. How do I count an abrupt loss joy? How do I count a shocking change of circumstances joy? How do I count seasons of suffering joy? 
Well, the first thing that comes to mind, it's grace. It's only by the grace of God that this can happen. But our Bible says all kinds of things about suffering. We just read that the Lord says that in this world, we will have trouble. There will be pain. There will be heartache. But then he gives us hope. And he says, take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome sin. I have overcome death. And so the Bible has much to say about where we turn when we're barely hanging on. And there are many people right now that are barely hanging on and only one thing matters when we're barely hanging on. And that's the truth of God's Word. We hold fast to the truth of God. It's the Scriptures. It's our Bibles. And truth provides many reasons how we can count the hard times joy. So let's just take a look at a few together quickly here. The first reason that I can count trials, storms, all joy is because I know that Jesus loves me. He loves me. And he did not just love me in word. He loved me. He loved you with the ultimate action. Many times we might just love with words. We might just say things with our lips, but our actions don't follow. But the Lord loved not only in word, but he loved in the ultimate action. He laid down his life for you and I. And his sacrifice is a reminder that his love is not determined. And this is good news by what you and I do or what we don't do. And that covers many facets. That's freedom. To know that what Jesus did for me is enough. I can count it on joy because he loves me. And not only that, because I know that he loves me, he calls me his. If you are in Christ Jesus, you are a son or daughter of the living God. And if I, if you, who love your son, or you and I, who are fallen, love our daughter, and we delight in our son, we delight in our daughter, even though we're in a fallen state, We know that we love to share in our children's successes. I hear you talk about it. I talk about it. Me, fallen, considered a privilege to be a dad or to be a mom. And I enjoy the truth that God made my kids my kids. That I have a privilege to raise my kids. And even though I have a bent towards selfishness and have selfish tendencies, frequently, and I bet this is true for you too, I have their eternity in mind. I think about the road ahead. I think about as I watch my children read the Word of God or 
I watch my children go through something hard. I think about, Lord, will you use this to teach them about who you are? Will you use this so they will grow closer to you? But how much more blessed are you and I being a son or daughter of the living God? And how much more can you and I trust that God is working the eternal in us? That he has the eternal in mind. That everything that I go through, whatever circumstance, whatever we are facing, that God has eternity in mind. He's sowing seeds for his kingdom. We can count trials joy because we know that God loves us. Make it personal. Because I know that God loves me. 1 John 4, 16 through 18 says this, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Okay, so the second thing. Before I get into that second thing, I want to provide an illustration. I'm amazed by the athletic ability, by the athletic prowess of Olympic gymnasts. I'm blown away, and particularly more the ladies than the men. Like Simone Biles, are you kidding me? What she can do is amazing. And because of Mel's job, I've had the privilege before to go and watch these athletes in person. And because that's the case, I've got to watch many of the events. And one event that I absolutely love to watch is the vault. And what happens when these ladies do the vault is just, it blows my mind. So there's this runway of 80 feet of a mat, right? And they just take off full dead sprint down this runway. Okay, have you seen this before? And then at just the right moment, in a fluid motion, they go from a split, a sprint to a perfect roundoff. They, they, they flip their body forward into a roundoff, right into a springboard. You know what the springboard is at the end? And so they'll either do it from their feet or they'll do it from their hands, and they plant off that springboard. And it's utmost important that they hit it with just the right power and just the right precision. That springboard is key. And the reason being, because when they hit that vault, what happens is they have to go high enough, high enough in the air. They have to propel their body high enough in the air to flip, to twist, to turn, to do whatever else gymnasts do, right? And land a dismount correctly. And Simone Biles killed this event in the last Olympics, if you got a chance to watch it. If you haven't seen it, YouTube it. Now, my analogy breaks down at some point. It probably breaks down very quickly, but here it is, okay? In the same way, trials are like that springboard. 
Because what trials do is they serve as a catapult. They launch us and move us closer to Jesus. That's what the trial does. It moves us closer to Jesus. So this is a segue to our second point. We can count trials joy because they draw us to Jesus. They draw us to Jesus. And this is often true when God in his loving kindness saves those who are lost. Think about your testimony. What is your story? How did God draw you to himself? I've heard many of, many of you talk about how God used hardship to reel you in, to reveal who he was. But this is not just a salvation thing, because God also uses this method long after we are saved. In his providence, he uses the storms of life. He uses the trials. He uses loss. He uses pain. He, loses, he uses all of these things to get us in the right lane. And what's the right lane? Walking with him, depending upon him. Verse 3 says this, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And though the trial is often long and it's difficult, it's good because here's what it does. It leads you and I to take inventory of our relationship with Christ. It leads us to think about those things, to do what Paul calls self-examination, do I trust the Lord in what I'm going through? Do I trust Him even though I can't see two feet in front of me? It is, only, is it only in the trials when I turn to the Lord? Is it the trials that make me turn to Him? Is it only in the trials when I treasure Him, when I adore Him? We have to ask those questions. Trials help us prioritize what truly matters. What's important to me? What's focal to me? And here's what the trial does. It stretches me. It stretches my faith. It grows me. And here's what we're often confronted to. This world system has nothing to offer me in those moments. That becomes a reality. Man's words, man's ideologies, man's philosophies do absolutely nothing for me when I'm in the storm. And in this present life, God is using the trial to grow me, using the trial to draw me closer to Him. And this life, and also preparing me for the life to come when I'll be with him forever. And it's in the trial that I'm drawn to Jesus. And if that's the case, then mission accomplished. There's fruit in that. God is using it for my good if the trial draws me to Jesus. That's the end goal right there. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, 
Do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So I can count trials joy because they draw me close to Jesus. And then look at verse 4. And we spent the last few weeks on this, so I'm not going to spend much time, but here's what it says. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. So very briefly, here's the third reason I can count trials joy. Because God uses them to change me. He uses trials to form me into the likeness of Christ. To pass me from one phase of glory to the next, to mold me, to shape me, to be the clay in the potter's hand as I think about my brother Grady Feller. The goal is for you and I to take strides to be more and more like Jesus. And what does this mean? This is the process of putting sin and flesh to death and walking in the Spirit, and that often comes through storms. So you and I can count trials joy because He uses them to change us. So I told you we would be brief. And so that's our springboard today. That's me getting the ball rolling so you and I can now share together what trials have taught us. So would you consider that this morning? Ian's going to walk around with our microphone. And again, friends online, those of you joining from wherever, you can send a text. Mel has the phone right next to her. You can post on YouTube. But we just, for the edification of this church, to the glory of God, want to make this a Sunday where we share together what the trial, what the storm, what the pain, what the suffering has taught us. How has God used it? So does anybody want to get the ball rolling today? Go ahead, Lacey. I'll, say, I'll get it started here just before. Oh, you go ahead, Lacey. Right. Just so you can, does it have to go in circles? Sure. Um, I shared my testimony several months ago, and I learned several things. Um, the first is, is that I learned that the love of the saints could overcome no matter how bad we thought we were in our lives. You know, and at a point where I thought I was unlovable, I was shown wrong just through my brothers and sisters. Many of them here showed me that I wasn't too far beyond Christ's love. Mm. And the other one was is that no matter where I went, whether I was in my home with my family, in someone else's home, if I was around the world, jail didn't matter. And even as I'm reminded of it today with shorthandedness and struggling to get sermon going and everything else I've been dealing with this morning is that None of it matters. Mm-hmm. None of it matters. Christ is the only thing that matters. Amen. Wherever we go, whatever the circumstance is, if we have the Lord, that's all we need. That's right. Everything else is secondary. Amen. Mm. Okay, Ian, over here to your friend Lacey. Um, there's one sentence that I do not like because it is not true. It's sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me because words do hurt. And I realized that a lot and you can't take them back. 
And so I have just, I sometimes have doubt in Jesus, but I, I've now realized that he will be with me no matter what. Amen. Anybody else? Same row there, Ian. Um, <clears throat> there was a time when I had always um, kind of prided myself on being independent. And I was a single mom, and, you know, I was independent. I didn't really need anybody's help, and I could do it on my own. And um, the Lord showed me that being independent also meant not only did I not allow others to help me, but I wasn't dependent upon the Lord. And so I've since changed that, that it's not really a pride thing to be independent. It's more of a pride thing to be dependent upon the Lord. And so the Lord really had to change my heart there um, to draw me close to him. Mm. Becca, behind you, Ian. This is kind of more of like, I feel like, I feel like I constantly have to be reminded of this, but it seems like for a big thing for me is I can be too reliant on people. Sometimes I can fall into the problem of I will fully rely on other people, but then like God's just kind of off to the side. Mm. But then you kind of realize that your whole attitude and what, I guess, kind of like your uh, identity can really change when it's really supposed to be in God. It mm. can like really make you not as like loving or, or like even in the work I've noticed this. If I am not, um, sometimes I can like, if I'm like not focused or have like God kind of set mindset, then I will find out that like I'm not as loving to the rude customers. Sometimes I can be more hateful to them or not have as much patience. Mm. So it can really kind of, I always have to get reminded of that. Yeah, very true, Becca, very true. Anybody else? Becca talking just now reminded me of, uh, I'd almost uh, put it in the back of my mind, um, but one thing I struggled with for years and years and years was uh, fear of man um, and how that can destroy you. Um, and when I finally trusted in the Lord and the pain would become so great that the only thing I had was uh, to think how Jesus thinks and uh, to uh, let the word just become a power in my life. Uh, and he showed me that that's what I needed to do and in order to walk with him and in order to uh, uh, not let this fear overtake you. Uh, and it works. It, it's a beautiful thing. It builds trust. It builds love. It builds uh, truth in you. So all, all that he says in the word works to overcome our fears. Hmm. Jacob behind you, Ian. 
along the same lines of what Becca and Bill were saying, the, the worry and the concern of other people around you. I've dealt a lot with my, my own decision making and being concerned about what are, what are other people going to think about this decision. And then you, you butt into conflicting considerations. You think, well, this person's going to feel that way, but this person's also going to feel this other way. So what do I do? And you find yourself in limbo a lot. Hmm. And it's really recently made me think a lot about the way that I live my life and my every day. I think, you know, am I just going on through the day now? And because I'm so concerned about decisions and how they're going to go, that I don't make any decisions, that I just live life. You know, I go to work, I go home, and that's the end of my day. That's my every day. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm still working on this and I'm still learning this. Am I doing things just to do them because I feel like I should do them? Or am I doing things with a real purpose behind them, mm. with a real reason behind them? Is this something that I feel convicted of by the Lord that I feel like is actually it's making a difference in either my life or someone else's life? Mm-hmm. Mm. Not something that I've really narrowed down or toned down to a point yet, but definitely something I'm thinking about. But the Lord's beginning to show that to you by yourself. That's great. Yes. That's great, Jacob. Anybody else? So I've learned through you wanna say something? Okay. So through the book of Jonah, I am kind of like Jonah and I like to control things and I want things to be my way. You would some may say I'm stubborn in this row, but um, I like things the way I like them, and that's the way that I like them. And if I want a decision, I, I want to do what I want to do. Um, and the book of Jonah has really taught me that God is in control in every situation, no matter what I want, and ultimately his will is going to be done. Mm. Jonah ran the opposite direction from God, and God's will was still done. Mm. Jonah had a really hard time because he didn't follow God. And whenever I know what God wants me to do and I'm not doing it, my life isn't easy. It is hard. Mm -hmm. And God ultimately has his will. So it's kind of helped me realize I need to give up my own um, stubbornness and kind of realize and let God be in control because ultimately he's in control whether I let him or not. I have no ability to let God be in control. So just to kind of relax and know that he wants what's best for us. Hmm. Praise God. Randy back there, Ian. Some of you know that I lost my father uh, about two and a half years ago, and uh, he was in the hospital and for a couple months, and uh, he passed away on my mother's birthday. And 
at that time, I was a little conflicted, I have to say. You know, I, I, I called out to the Lord and I thought, could you not have just waited one more day so that my mom wouldn't have to have that on her mind for the rest of her life? And, and I got to reflecting on that, and, and he made me uh, realize the joy that there was in that moment because the Lord took us all away from the hospital, all our family together to celebrate my, my mother's birthday. And my dad could pass on, and I know that that is what my father would have wanted, and the Lord honored that. Mm. And so that has brought me great joy mm. in the meantime. Wow, very, very neat. I'll share one here. Um, Carol Hill, one of our ladies at Crestwood, who um, faithfully was a part of that ministry and faithfully watching right now from her living room, I would guarantee it. Um, she um, had to take care of her husband for many, many years. Um, she took care of she She fed him. She put him to bed, she clothed him, his body, and I mean, just completely failed, and, and he was dependent upon her. And in that, she shared that she would often think about how she could change things in the past or worry about what was going to happen in the future. And it was going through the same thing every day of knowing that there was nothing she could do about the circumstances and knowing that he was deteriorating that the Lord taught her, you have to trust me right now. All you can do is take this one day at a time and trust me in the circumstance you're in right now. Trust that I'm with you and trust that as you go through this, I love you. And so that was a lesson that she learned as she went through something very difficult um, in her life. Aaron in the back there, Ian. All the way in the back, buddy. I kind of wrestled if I was going to talk about this or not, but as some of you know, my husband and I are going through a divorce. And in that process, it's incredibly painful because you feel very unloved. But at the end of the day, I know that God has got my back and my community and my family have my back. At the end of the day, the love that matters is the love that Christ has for me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. mine out so I wouldn't ramble here uh, but the question was how do you respond to the storms in your life the most recent storm that uh, I've experienced was Phyllis a diagnosis with cancer and uh, nine months of taking care of her and, and loving someone who's been only given six to eight months to live uh, she had a colostomy bag that had to be emptied often during the day and sometimes I had to completely change the bag out as many as three times in a day. It just seemed like it was nonstop. But the presence of the Lord was with us in the journey. And it made it much easier knowing that her final destiny would be 
in the hands of the Lord. But unlike uh, Jonah, I was not angry because I knew that God's hand was in all of this. And I'm entering into a potential storm of being treated for pancreatic cancer. And I was diagnosed to not to go to be with the Lord in April of this year. And this is April of this year, and I'm still here. Uh, so it looks like the Lord has something for me to do. I'm not anxious and I'm not worried because 20 years ago, I learned to memorize Bible verses. And one of the ones that I use often is Philippians 4, 6, which says, be anxious about nothing but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he also promised me in other verses that I memorized that I need to trust in the Lord and lean not onto my own understanding, but trust in him. And I want to give God the glory. How do I respond to storms in life? I do it by the fact that I've hidden God's word in my heart, prepared ahead of time. When the storm's coming, you don't go out and buy an umbrella. You buy an umbrella before the storm comes. And then when the storm's over, you use it again. So I'd like to challenge you all to begin to start memorizing Bible verses. Because believe me, the storm is coming. Thank you, brother. I have a few to share here. Um, the first one is from Barb Selby. Um, she said, when I had a difficult recovery after Annaline, the church family and others showered me with unexpected and unwavering love. I never knew this type of community had or could exist. The Lord asked me to humble and ask for help, and the help was provided. God also showered, showed me the importance of relying on him and needing to be integrated into the church. Also, homeschooling and parenting has taught me that I sin and need God as much as my kids do. And then one other one from Kristen Jones. She says, we've had to relearn, one, that we're not in control, God is. And two, following where God is leading, even when we see a difficult road ahead of us, when we follow him, is uncomfortable, but a necessary part of following him. Mm, man. I'll go ahead and share another one. Um, this was from our sister, Emily. And uh, in between Nellie Ann and Ezra, um, Conrad and M lost a baby and she was in um, Reno, Texas at a baby shower when she what? Reno, Nevada. I said Texas didn't I? Reno is on Texas. Okay, but anyway um, she was there at a baby shower and in that process lost the baby and God taught her something very important in that moment. I know some of you have gone through this as well is that our kids are given to us by God, and they're a blessing. 
It's a blessing to raise them in the Lord. It's a blessing to love them. It's a blessing to be able to pour Jesus into them. But just like Job, M learned that our kids belong to God. They are God's. Their lives are His. They're in His hand. And He determines their lot, however long that would be. And so going along with what Job said, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. But what? May the name of the Lord be praised. He determines that. And, and what a lesson that is. What a hard lesson that is. But to understand that God is in control. He is sovereign. And all of us have been created for His glory. So, very valuable lesson there for all of us. And a hard one. That's real life. Anybody else? Okay, well, I'll share Conrad's here, too. <laughs> um, Conrad, in college, he said, I got to a place where I just didn't like people. I didn't like any of the people I went to school with. I didn't like any of the people I was in class with. I just became very jaded in my view of people. I was bitter toward people. Um, I didn't see them as having worth. I saw them as a thorn in my side. Um, but just basically that they were there to make my life difficult. He said, I wasn't walking with the Lord at, a time, at this time, and I've never had this happen again. But he said, I went to sleep one night and I had a dream. And he said, you know, very clearly the Lord in this dream showed me a man in a boat who did not have a face. He said he did not have a face, and the people around him had, and, and, boat, and boats did not have faces either. And he said, what God showed me in that is he said, stop seeing people without faces and see that they have value, see that they have purpose, and see that they matter regardless of what they do or don't do because they were made in my image. And what a reminder for all of us, you know, because we sin against one another and others sin against us. But every one of us matter. Every life matters because we were made in the image of God. Because we are image bearers of our Creator. And what a wonderful truth that is for all of us. All of us have value and purpose, and were created to the glory of God. Anybody else? Well, I really appreciate you sharing this morning. This is what we want to continue to strive for, is the edification of this church and sharing with one another what God is doing, giving testimony, speaking about how the Word has worked in our life, what the Lord has taught us. And we're all in this journey together. Um, so let me close us in prayer. And then don't forget, Becca, you need six people, right, immediately after service to help you with your speech. And then everybody else, if we can meet outside, that'd be great so they can get that ball rolling. Then we want to invite you to come and fellowship with us at Craig Park. And let me just say this so you know, um, 
where we're at at Craig Park, it's the, it's the parking lot off of Smith Valley Road, and it's right to the north. So it's not up the hill, but when you go into the parking lot, the area where we're meeting, whether you go to a restaurant or you bring your lunch from home, is right there north of the parking lot, right there in the grass area. So there's no hill to go up. Um, everybody bring lawn chairs, um, bring your food, and we'll just fellowship together and enjoy that. Um, but let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, God, for each one, each one here. Thank you for the lessons that you teach us. Thank you for the reminder, God, of just how much you love us and that you are constantly revealing who you are. You're teaching us about your mercy. You're teaching us about your long-suffering. You're teaching us about your patience. You're teaching us about your love for us, what the gospel means, God what the gospel means for each of us, God. And it's hard for us to grasp because we are messy people. We are people that are wrought with sin. We bring sin to the table, every single one of us. Sin that we can see and sin that we can't see. And we rely on your spirit to reveal that to us. We rely on your spirit to continue to do what you've been doing since the day you saved us. And that is sanctifying us, changing us into your likeness. Father, I thank you for what a privilege it is to hear about your hand in my brother and sister's lives. I pray, God, that this would encourage us, that this would spur us on, God. Father, all of us have stories. All of us, God, have testimonies about who you have been in our life. And when we were faithless, you were faithful. And when we were broken, God, you fixed us. You changed us, Lord. Your perfect love grabbed us, God. We thank you for that. This is not about one of us, God. We aren't here to celebrate any of us. We're here to celebrate you. We're here to celebrate your grace. We're here to celebrate your willingness to continue to invite us to take your yoke. Father, we confess to you that we fall short. We confess to you, God, that we put many other things before you. But thank you, Lord Jesus, for the wonderful truth that we can continue to turn back to you again and again and again and again and we will until the day that you take us home we love you we praise you we thank you we honor you and what a privilege it is to know that we are yours we are in you christ jesus and we pray all this in your name Thank you for listening to audio from Foundation Life Bible Church, located in Greenwood, Indiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Foundation Life Bible Church, please visit us online at www.foundationlbc.com.